Cars on Call is a different car podcast. Two car guy physicians join noted automotive authority, Adams Hudson, to discuss car topics you won't find anywhere else. I'm Steve Schutz, and I've been publishing new car reviews for almost 30 years. Stefan Moran is a trauma surgeon who has published articles in the automotive safety literature and operated on countless car crash victims. And Adams Hudson is a now-retired successful businessman who has bought, sold, and owned over a hundred top-shelf enthusiast cars. Welcome to Cars on Call. Welcome to Cars on Call. I'm Gashon Rolidus and automotive journalist Steve Schutz. I'm here with trauma surgeon Stefan Moran and car collector connoisseur and uh, consultant Adams Hudson. And I sound kind of subdued, but guys, this is episode 100. Amazing. Amazing. How did We've such made a it. thing happen? <laughs> well, it's only like episode 56 for me. So that's why it feels so young. Plus, I'm the youthful one of the group. So it should feel. <laughs> yeah, you're youthful. <laughs> so um, it is. Cool. I just woke up this afternoon. But anyway, we had uh, it was actually my wife, Elisa, who had the idea. Uh, she said, you and Stone should do a podcast or a show or something because you guys always have fun talking about cars. And then we added uh, Adams after we had you as a guest and we're like, but are like, crap, this, this guy's awesome. We got to see if he wants to be a third wheel. And you Plus did. he's not doing anything. <laughs> well, you're doing, you're, you're pretty busy for a retired guy. So we, we no, made you brought a lot to the, you brought a, you brought a, a lot ton. to the show, a ton to the show, Adams. I really appreciate you joining us. And yeah, we're straight on our way to, to monetizing this podcast, famous <laughs> millionaires is going to be hanging out with cars on call and the Kardashians. I can see it coming. <laughs> and people can say they knew us when. Right. Yeah. It'll, if, you, if you do the, if you extrapolate from where we are now, it'll be episode a hundred thousand when we finally monetize. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're on a hundred. This is great. It's almost two years. We're, we're doing it every week. Uh, this is, this has been great. So, we are going to talk about our 100, or not 100, <laughs> no, that one, that, that, we're not doing 100 of anything. Our top, we're each, we each wrote down our top five stories or segments or whatever uh, from whatever show. And, you know, out of 100 shows, we each have five different stories we're going to share with you guys, and uh, we hope you like it. And then we're also going to share our, we each had one favorite car spotting. We do car spotting, not every single show, but most shows. So we're going to get to all that. A little news first. Uh, guys, we all saw this. We've been talking about the challenges of the BEV market, and they are many. And uh, another uh, shoe has dropped in this problem road. And the, 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 shoe, the shoe that dropped was Hertz Rental Cars announced that they are selling 20,000 Teslas. They famously, a few years ago, said, we're going to have 100,000 vehicles in our fleet that are pure battery electric vehicles. And uh, they're selling a lot. They're, they're, they said they're going to sell most of the electric cars. And, and most recently, they announced they're going to sell 20,000 Teslas, mostly Model 3s. Let me just say this before you guys chime in. This... So reminds me of the cell phone. I first heard about the cell phone. I read about it in the newspaper in 1983. And it cell phones changed like crazy until 
we got the iPhone in 2007. In the 17 years since the iPhone was developed and launched in 2007, our cell phones really haven't changed that much. They're not exactly the same. Of course, they've evolved, but it's a brick and there's icons on it. It's a touchscreen. Well, if you think about the 17 years since we came to the iPod and we're like, that's a cell phone, compare the 17 years since and the 17 years before the iPhone, there were so many changes and all the phones were like, ah, it's okay, it's okay. And it just kept getting better and then it finished with the iPhone. That's where we are. I think it's early days of the BEV, just like it was early days of the cell phone in the 90s. And they are just going to continue to make mistakes until we get to the BEV iPhone. I'm just saying Hertz caught a real break here. You know, they're getting out of the BV industry. <clears throat> Mary Barra made it easy for them. She put stop sales on the uh, Blazer. Uh, so I wonder <laughs> how many, I wonder how many of those they had ordered. So they're like, this is an opportunity. We want out of this market. Mary Barra just set us up. She put out a shit product. Um, now we can cancel that <laughs> order because you can't deliver. Hey, we're out. We're completely out of it. So, um, so chapeau bought and Mary Barra for helping Hertz out, get out of the BEV uh, rental business. <laughs> That's an interesting take. That's sort of like somebody deciding to quit making bad pizza because they heard that Chuck E. Cheese was failing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, I think, wow. you know, it's, it's crazy about, about, about Hertz. Um, Chuck E. Uh, Cheese. And, oh my and, God. I don't know what that means, but I like it. <laughs> Okay, good. That, well, that's you never I'm, you oh. never took any of your boys to Chuck E. Cheese, Stephen. Of course, I did. Okay, like, all right. Well, like, oh my God, the stupid did. bears and bears and playing Dance music. Around. Oh my God, they were trying to go out of business for like thirty years, and they just couldn't leave. You know, they had a rat as a spokesperson and couldn't get out of the restaurant business. Um, nonetheless, you know, I do believe that the failure of GM may have contributed slightly to Hertz going, hallelujah, here's our foundation. But, you know, can imagine the times you guys have rented automobiles, you pop into the airport, you're in a somewhat unfamiliar city, you're going to rent a car, you already have a little anxiety about, am I going to get there? Am I going to be on time? What's traffic going to be like? Do you really want to ponder the the possibility you're going to run out of range before you get there? Like Jack Not Ross said, foraging for electricity. It's the last thing you would ever want to do in a rental. Exactly. Yeah. And would you welcome it on what may be a vacation or a business trip or something? Hell no. You know, so I, I, I can see it failing. And I will say one thing in, um, in support of episode 100 as well, is that you guys, and then later when I did get, get to uh, tag along, were already seeing cracks in the dam of the so-called logic that gave us the BEVs in mass too much, too fast, too early. And like yep. Steve talking about the iPhone, you know, an iPhone running out of juice never caused you to walk. And I don't remember any of them ever exploding and killing anyone. So the risks are bigger. And I do feel like there's going to be a downward slide. Yeah. Well, it's going to get back to reality. You know, this is pushed by politicians and governments around the world as a saving grace for the planet. And I, you know, don't get it, don't get us wrong. We we do like BEVs, but like Steve has always said, you buy a car that is a tool. If you're rich, you got a three-car garage, you can put a five thousand dollar charger in your garage and you can drive back and forth to wherever you want to go and charge your BEV. Perfect. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But it's not for the everyday, what do you call them? Proletarians, the everyday masses of the people. It's not a vehicle for them. For normal people. <laughs> For normal people, yes, right. exactly. 
Would either guy, I'm going to put the question back before we move on here. Would either of you guys rent a BEV? No way. No. no. Yeah. No way. Me neither. Absolutely not. Funny that did not make it to the, uh, to the, to the product acquisition committee meeting for Hertz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a poorly thought out idea. You got to put yourself in the shoes of the customer. And if you do that, then you'll, you'll realize they don't want it. And that's what they, but they should have done it before they sold all their, you know, they bought so many thousands and now they're going to sell them. So, all right, on to the celebration. And uh, Stefan, we'll start with you. We had some great shows. And I think back, I have such great memories, Stefan. It was just you and me at first, and we came up with some really good topics. And then uh, once we got uh, uh, Adams, it was like turbocharged, like, even better and the conversations were great so give us your top five and you know before you go so many listeners learned a different angle on car safety and i think you've helped a lot of people maybe even saved a life or two because these safety segments that you have done have been so spot on so give us your top five safety non-safety whatever it is i'll get to safety but i do want to um say on the safety issue that you know, I spent my career saving lives in the trauma bay. And while I also did automotive research, I'd go out and talk about car safety, buying the right vehicle, um, making safer choices. And I've loved that this podcast, this gives me a venue, the bully pulpit, once again, to preach to the masses that to maybe make that one decision when you drive the car you buy that may save your life or life of a loved one. But um, so this, I have loved the opportunity this podcast has given me to continue that in a non-operative way. Um, but I do want to, you know, we were talking about EVs and I haven't seen my phrase yet in published material, but I came up with the phrase, the Teslafication of the automotive industry. And from day one, we've been talking EVs and I came up with this term and let's talk a little bit about Tesla. Tesla was founded in 2003 by Martin Eberhard and Mark Tarpening. 2004, Elon Musk brought in a shit ton of money and de facto became chairman of the board, later CEO. And what he, you know, it's there is a cult about Elon Musk, just like there was Steve Jobs. And it's the cult of the Mac, it's the cult of the Tesla. But Elon Musk identified this. They're killing it. He completely changed the automotive industry upside down. One of the hardest things, listeners, that anything to start an automotive company is one of the hardest things anybody can done. Many have come and many have lost out. They just, it is incredibly difficult. But Elon Musk and the other guys did it. They've remained in the top spot of EV sales for the full year. They set a record setting 1.8 million EVs in 2023. They are the largest seller of EVs in the world, 38% over the year increase. But how have they changed the industry? What have they done? Well, they said, you know what? We're going to have direct-to-consumer marketing sales. Pick up your iPhone, buy it, you try it, it delivers, you don't like it, 30 days, boom, you send it back. We all hate going to the dealership. Dealerships are in uproar about this. Um, the Model S introduced a 17-inch touchscreen. Touch now every vehicle, new vehicle you buy has a touchscreen. They're all copying Tesla. They want to be the next Tesla. Tesla did over-the-air updates. You know their cars have a SIM card automatically connected. You don't have to have your own phone. The car is connected by its own SIM card. Then 
they launched on safety. The Model X, their SUV, outscored every other SUV in the history of automotive crash testing. It got wow. a superior from NHTSA. They mm -hmm. did that. They came up with their own charging stations across the country. They built an infrastructure before, at the same time, they were building the cars in their factory. Now the Tesla charging plug is the standard. So, and then the repair tech comes to you if they can't do it over the air. They have completely turned over the expectation that we have with car ownership, car buying, car repair has been turned upside down by Tesla. And if the others don't follow, they're going to lose out because this is what consumers want. It's what consumers enjoy. And think about it. Tesla has done for the car that same cult of the Mac that Steve Jobs did with your phone. You have this emotional connection to your phone. And Tesla owners have the same thing. And Steve -O so vastly said, how do you know it's a Tesla owner when you meet him at a party? What's your, what do you say, Steve-O? <laughs> give, give him two minutes, I'll tell you. Yeah, they'll tell you because it's like, it's like, like vegans or, or, uh, or, uh, uh, what's the workout place anyway? Uh, CrossFit. Yeah. CrossFit. CrossFit yeah, exactly. So, um, I hope to see Teslafication in the automotive industry. I should probably put a, uh, a trademark on that, but they said he couldn't be done. He did it. And he has really set the standard for an EV company. So that's my number one um, kind of overall. It wasn't a specific episode, but it came up multiple times. I'll get back to the trauma side. So in episode one, I told one of my very favorite stories. Um, this is AKA the toes story. Oh. This is actually, this is actually published, um, but I'll just change the name. So I'll tell the story here. Bob and Karen just came out of the dealership. Bob bought his brand new PT cruiser in purple. Well, Karen that, Karen that morning had gone and gotten her toes. She had gotten a pedicure. So she's kind of pissed off because he's just paying all his attention. Bob's paying all his attention to the car. He's not paying any attention to his wife. He could give a shit, care less about her toenails. So she puts her feet up on the dash and is like, you know, look at my toenails. This is the cutest color, whatever. And he has zero interest. Well, they get into an argument because he's talking about the car. She's talking about toenails. <laughs> and he blows through it. Um, he goes through an intersection and they get T-boned. So the car, the PT Cruiser roll it. So for listeners, you know what a PT Cruiser is. Baby like, it's, it's like one of the original baby SUVs. It's this kind of jacked up little mini station wagon, four door with a hatchback in the back. And the car flips and rolls and it drags across the pavement on its roof. And when the airbag deployed, as you can imagine, you've got your feet on the dash and you have a dash airbag deployed, where are your feet going to go? Straight through the windshield. Right, yeah. Because the force of that deployment of that airbag will shove your feet right through the windshield. So her feet go through the glass. You can imagine the car is now dragging across its roof, across the intersection, and her right foot gets dragged across the pavement, basically underneath the roof of the car. You remember, remember a guy named Madison Cawthorn, North Carolina congressman. He did the same thing in an X3, had both feet on the dash, and he ended up with a spinal cord injury. So anyway, I took care of her, and um, she lost the toes on her right foot. Um, there is a picture on the Truth About Cars website. And you know, I got to know I got to know Karen pretty well, and we were joking. I was laughing with her, and I said, well, you know, I mean, it's time to di discharge her. I said, um, you know, the good news and bad news. Yeah, the bad news I had to, um, you know, to to cut your toes off. We but we got your stump healed up. 
you know, bad news, you won't be able to walk on your tippy toes anymore. But the good news is, the good news is you're going to get half off on your next pedicure. And uh, oh, crap. <laughs> she laughed. And we had, a, I mean, you know, humor is the best medicine readers digest. The other so. good news is there's one less PT cruiser. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah, that so, reminds me of a, we have a little uh, sticker in our office. Obviously, I'm a gastroenterologist, but it said, laughter is the best medicine unless you have diarrhea. So, number three, <laughs> number three, <laughs> Stefan. All right, so I want to go back to episode 69. Um, so I was driving home from work, and I got a call. I was in the Mustang and the Bullet, and on the digital screen, call pops up. Ends in 8400, and it says Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm like, 8400, that sounds like a scammer, but it's Louisville. I got a good friend a different Steve that lives in Louisville. And I thought maybe it was Steve calling from his office. So I answered and I go, hello. And I go, she goes, hello. And she says, is this a, a female voice? Is this Stefan Moran? I said, um, yes. She goes, is this Dr. Stefan Moran? I'm like, who is this? <laughs> and she and goes, I'm like, she already knew too much information about it. She said, hello, I'm Julie Alt. I was your patient 20 years ago. And I've been searching for you for a long time because I wanted to call and tell you thank you. Oh. So it was, was a, a very episode. It wow. was a very emotional podcast, but to 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 be short, Julie Alt suffered horrific life-threatening injuries and um she was held medevac to UAB when I was faculty there and it's just the fact that she survived is is amazing that she survived her injury she had a torn aorta. It's a true and, miracle. It's a real miracle that she survived. She everything fell in place for her to survive. The helicopter, the crash, the Dr. Pacifica, who was a surgeon. So it is a fabulous podcast. It's me one-on-one with Julie. Um, that's episode 69. That's that really was a fantastic episode. And then getting and back you, to before no, you sorry. move on, I hope listeners, viewers will mark that episode number down and go listen to it and and maybe listen to it with your kids. Yeah, uh, it's just how quickly things can change in your day and in your life. And she is also one fantastic storyteller. She is a fantastic storyteller. And and if you know someone that doesn't like to wear a seatbelt, Julie was a EMS. Um, what's the word? Um, dispatcher. Dispatcher, and she never put her seatbelt on until after she stopped at the store, basically two and a half miles from her house to get a cup of coffee. Then she put in her seatbelt, and she didn't. Um, and she crashed. A horrible crash. Um, but so that's a fantastic episode. Then I, there's two other episodes that I want that I like put together in 93 and 94. So I came up with the term pedicyclist. So we have, when we talk about injuries, we have pedestrians and then there are pedal cyclists, which is people on bicycles that use their pedals. So it's not motorcyclists, but ped is pedal cyclists and pedestrians are commonly injured in the same fashion and styles in our city. So I like to call that grouping peda cyclist. Um, so I presented a viewpoint 93 that was talking about motor, how aggressive our vehicles have become suburbans, trucks, can't see pedestrians, huge frontal ends, the aggressivity that has contributed to the marked increase in fatalities that we've had in our pedestrians. And I came up with this thing called the pedocyclist fatality risk duality coefficient, which is distraction squared times aggressivity squared. And then Seba said, yeah, but what about 
pedestrians and cyclists, they're distracted just like the drivers on their phones. They're listening to music. So couldn't some of this 77% increase in death in 10 years have something to do with that? And I'm like, that was a fantastic. And Adams chimed in on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what about it? And that's why I came up with this idea of this duality, distraction, duality. Yes, I found some reports showed that um, pedestrians are equally distracted as drivers. We've all seen the videos of people walking in the poles, people walking in the fountains. So I called this the distraction duality as a causation. Um, I don't have access to research anymore, to do research and databases. But once again, it's that it's that the mixing of my presentation, Steve and Adams bouncing back with contrarian views, making me think outside the box because we all approach these things very differently. So that has evolved and over every podcast where I bring up safety. You guys, Steve and Adams, bringing in these other topics just make my brain just click, 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 saying, you know what? Then I go find the research to back it up. So those were two episodes that were very enlightening to me. Um, and then the, the last one I want to talk about is Podcast 24. This is the beginning of the Jack Roush interviews. Mm. So for you listeners who don't know, when Jack Roush crashed his airplane in 2002 down in Troy, Alabama, flying an aerocam at Wiley Sanders Place before the Talladega 500, when he crashed that airplane, I was his trauma surgeon at UAB, and I took care of him and nursed him back to health, and Jack and I have become great friends. Well, as you can imagine, the press turned this into, some, into a fairy tale kind of story, and a lot of the facts were twisted. In in at podcast twenty four, um, there's a very famous female aviator by the name of Connie Bullen, who is dear friends with Jack. Connie Bullen is a one of the probably I think the first female captain in the airline industry, but very famous pilot who is dear friends with Jack and her husband at the time, Ed Bullen. He's since passed, but. Connie wrote me a letter describing the events of that day because she was with Jack the entire day. I thought Jack had gotten this letter from Connie. He had never seen it. Yeah. I read this letter to Jack for the first time and interviewed him after he read that letter. That is a moving letter, um, a very moving podcast to listen to Jack Roush. So for any of you that are big fans on Jack Roush, or just like to hear a story about somebody having a recollection of events, which was bastardized by the press and everything. So that, that was my number five. Um, those are my top five episodes uh, of diff different viewpoints, different things, different ideas. But those are the ones that I really like that I think listeners go back and, and take a listen to those. They're worth listening to. Yeah. I, I will echo Adam's, uh, point about listening to uh, episode 69 especially if you have teenagers because she goes into how she was injured and then stefan talked about how severe those injuries were and it's a it's a connection it's a reconnection of patient and doctor uh in a very intense uh period so that was very amazing and the jack roush was i was also jack roush stuff was very emotional too he went through he had to relive uh that plane crashes I guess you'd call it plane crash number one. He had two. Yes. All right. I'm going to go. I, I didn't actually write. I'll go through my five, but I didn't write down the actual um, episode numbers. But for story number one, uh, as you know, Stefan, this was like episode one through like 50. Uh, we talked about the Felicity Ace. And we're the only, 
the only podcast to correctly point out that this is a, as far as we know, the only car transporter named after a stripper. And I think it's pretty cool and, that we pointed that out. Yeah. Less than the, he is, sounds like a stripper. the fact that it went down. Uh, it went down and there, and, story. and there were Hummers on board that went down as well. <laughs> so well, that's, uh, that's a wrap no, on episode 100. Maybe, Thank you. <laughs> before we get pulled off the air, me, I'll just reiterate, February 10th. 19 or 2022 february 10th coming up on the second the second year anniversary uh this ship caught fire and no one knows what caused the fire but we do know that it uh, was a tesla but go ahead it, it, we, it was some kind it was an electric it was an ev it was an ev yeah. that caught fire we don't know if it started the fire it doesn't matter it caught fire and then they could right an ev fire. caught fire on the ship because they could not control it they could not control it so they lost about uh four thousand vehicles mostly new cars from Volkswagen Group, including the last run of like 50 Lamborghini Aventadors, and they were all mm. lost. They had to restart the factory and remake those cars. Didn't Matt Farah have a car on this? He did. Ship? He had a, a a Boxster Spider. Yes. In uh, that kind of pinkish color. Uh, anyway, Awful yeah, color. I don't like the color, but he's since gotten it. But anyway, so Is that Ruby Stone Metallic. Do we think? No, Something no, it like was that. it was like ice creamers. It, it's I have to look it up, but it's it's like a very light pink. It looks like a frozen yogurt. So anyway, um, just as well, and all those cars were lost. It was such a big deal, but the funniest part was the name. So Stefan and I had tons of fun talking about the Felicity Ace, the story that kept on giving. <laughs> it really did. It did. And then my second favorite was also a story that kept on giving the forerunner known as the effing runner. <laughs> I said, <laughs> So I thought it was cool that this, and there's a picture of it. This vehicle has not changed in any significant way for more than 20 years. And now they're going to have a new one next year, I guess. But it's just body on frame V6, and it's just the most bare bones anti-tech car and it to me it's and not safe and not safe not safe what i think is interesting is that we're entering this tech era with the tesla location of cars and the bevs and all this stuff and yet i work with a lot of very sophisticated accomplished young nurses that are in their 20s and 30s and none of them want a bev and over the years i've noticed this they all seem to want it they all want a effing runner F and runner. And then Stefan went crazy because you realize, yeah. Stefan, they're everywhere. If you start looking for forerunners, oh you see God. them everywhere. Adams, you right? If you look for them, they're everywhere. Everywhere and inexplicably, unlike, you know, the, the, the you show the boat that goes down. This is a vehicle that won't go down. It won't <laughs> yeah. die. Its value is still high. I just, there's, they can't make enough of them. If, if there'd been a, a forerunner on the Felicity Ace, uh, there would have been, they would have driven up on the shores. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, out of the depths of the ocean it's suddenly right. <laughs> they're indestructible yeah they, they they really don't hold their values so that was one story uh that i thought was really really great and then we i did a serious story because this one about pickups because this story uh i think is is we are not we, this is gonna happen it makes no sense so we just have a picture of a brand that's not a brand new. it's probably a five-year-old f-150 pickup truck and so many people, and this started really in the 90s, 
started driving F-150s or Silverados or, or Ram pickups as their daily drivers. They make no sense. They're too big. They're too wasteful. They suck gas. And yet they're, they're used as daily drivers. This is not a sustainable um, trend. And, mm. and I, I, I cannot imagine in 20 or 30 years that daily drivers, that people take to and from work and go to the grocery store will be F-150s or full-size pickup trucks. This has to stop. You know, that's why on the last couple of shows ago, when we picked our ultimate three-car garage, I picked a Ford Ranger Raptor over an F-150. And I've owned an F-150 for 13 years. It's great at what it does, but you don't need to be driving these behemoths every day in the city, in neighborhoods. It is a truck. It is a tool. And this is the last thing you honestly want as a daily driver. But that's the way it is in America. It's the number one selling vehicle for what, 40 years now? Uh, 40. 40 yeah, years. Ever. Yeah. Forever. It's just too big. It's just overkill in the size department, as we have commented. And uh, I, I, I lauded Steph's choice at the time, knowing he was a 150 owner, to, to, to move down one size. And you'll get 95% of the capacity you would ever need out of the uh, Ranger Raptor. And the Ranger Raptor is not far from the size of the original trucks. Yeah. The original CKs and the F trucks. I mean, it's, you know, they just got so huge now. Yeah. The, 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 my fourth story that I, that I think is my favorite, cause we also keep coming back to it is, uh, electric vehicles, uh, having to change. And I, I said enough about that at the beginning of the show, so I'm not going to I'm not going to repeat that again, but that was one of my top five favorite stories. And then there's a picture of a BMW iX. We did a whole, uh, we got probably half hour, Stefan, on is has BMW lost its way in the 80s and into the 90s. They were so cool, absolutely. You know, the 535i from the the mid 80s is one of my favorite cars of all time. Absolutely beautiful, great to drive. You know, Adams, you've even talked about the i7 which you've said is one of your favorite cars. Maybe it's the I-8, I-8, sorry. I-8, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The 2002, we talked about the 2002 ad nauseum. So many great cars, and yet now they got this IX thing, which is uh, it's so ugly. It's, yeah. you know, this thing was beaten almost to death with the ugly stick. They just did not stop hitting this car with the ugly stick. It is awful. And a lot of the cars now are just kind of boring. They're just... I, I'm it's just, not the ultimate driving machine. No, I, I'm with this. BMW is just, they don't, uh, I mean, it's sad to see what they, they they lost their way in my mind. They haven't, they've diluted the M brand to the point they slap an M badge on anything. But you know what? The sales are, sales, we're just old gray haired enthusiasts that want to see it the old way and what they used to do, but their sales are, they're doing great. They sell those X3s, the X5s, the what, X1s, X7s, X whatever. Slap M badges and hey, they're following the dollar. Check. You wonder, you wonder, yeah. for when that 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 will play out. And looking at Steve's last couple of picks with the with the one fifty, are people going to wake up one day and go, "My gosh, that you know that car is like twice as big as what I need. I can't go through a drive through. The the turning radius of the Exxon Valdez, you know, I mean, why do I have this huge vehicle? And then are they going to also start looking at these rather bland, overcopied, overcopied, overcopied? SUVs and you know, maybe their sales are good, but you know GM sold a lot using rebates, you know, about twenty years ago, and and you just want and that played itself out. Is this going to play itself out? I personally hope it does. Yeah, it's 
you know, you, you can't argue with success. And if you exclude Tesla from the list of luxury manufacturers, which I do, BMW outsold, it was the number one luxury manufacturer. Uh, and to your point, Adams, yeah, I mean, in, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, through the 80s, the number one uh, luxury brand was Cadillac, number two was Lincoln, and now they're total also ran. So, you know, BMW may be peaking now, and they and again, they outsold Lexus, Mercedes, um, Audi, and and they're, they're selling a lot of vehicles. But yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to be great in 20 years and and they're not the ultimate driving machine and i think a lot of times they're just boring vehicles so it's it's a shame so uh adams let's give us your top five well uh it's been fun seeing you your guys trip down memory road uh memory lane i guess especially before i arrived and i look forward to listening to a couple of those episodes that did predate me on my five i have a little warm-up platter here my favorite realization uh, was early on when you when Stephen assigned me Mazda and Mazda's foray into Le Mans, and uh, it also included their failed Amati brand. If you remember, yeah. we talked about that. Yes. It's going to be sort of like the Infinity or the Lexus or the uh, uh, the Acura. And my favorite realization was that Amati was an anagram for Miata. That was see, so I, I set my own bar pretty low here. <laughs> That was a great uh, point. I, I never thought and it never occurred to me. Yeah, it, it didn't me either until I started looking at it. Uh, my favorite regular addition to the show, uh, we're still not to my top five yet, was the horrific green gonads uh, uh, copyright uh, and uh, trademark pending that stuff <laughs> adds to truly deserving vehicles. That but may now, come up later on in the end, yes. Put on that I BMW IX. I sense it. <laughs> yes. All right. Early on for me, episode 48 was when uh, when we were assigned picking uh, the ultimate 911T. And I have a, a, a photo of that. And what was so fun about it, Steph, it should be somewhere. Yeah, in there. yeah give me. Yeah, I just, okay. just keep talking. I'm, I'm, I'm clicking buttons. I'm getting it's coming. What was so fun about that is that, you know, if you guys have never gone, there it is, to the configurator, it's just... Um, is that even Oslo Blue? It said it no. was Oslo, but I don't no. think it is. It's, it's not a, it's a GT3 Touring, and it's Aetna Blue. Aetna <laughs> Blue. Is that Aetna? Yeah, Yeah, and a GT3 okay. Touring. Okay, uh, it, it was labeled as Oslo, <laughs> but no, I can look at that and tell. I do like that color. Uh, maybe, maybe this is fate intervening, saying that's what I need. But what was so much fun was um, going down the configurator list and seeing all the options and thinking, wow, would I even want to do European delivery or how much fun would it be to get this option? The only thing I would change on the one that I picked, which was not in this color, was to get the heritage interior. Mm. And that is such a wonderful addition. And folks, I'm referring to the houndstooth inserts on the seats, which have to be sports seats, by the way. So that was awful fun. Way more recently uh, was the rise and fall of Jaguar. And yeah. the one and only graphic that I chose for this was the uh, XJR 13 that Jaguar had an initially planned to do a Lamont assault. And it just shows that, you know, Jaguar had, had lived such an incredibly celebrated life. And they were just success after success after success. And William Lyons had this huge vision of 
bringing a luxury car and a performance car and a stylish car to the masses, uh, amply priced, uh, certainly not, un well, I would say underpriced versus its competition, but what a smart thing to do, you know, to bring what people want at a little bit of a discount. And that's what a Jaguar was. And they had just monumental favor and monumental respect of their peers and uh, even Enzo Ferrari, highly complimentary of various models to the years. And they won their share of trophies. And then the fall of Jaguar, of course, that's why this was sort of heart wrenching because I'd been a Jaguar fan owned a few over the years. What's heart wrenching to see is just what mismanagement does uh, a very good product and a very sorry vision. And as Stefan mentioned the phrase, and this will play into a lot of car manufacturers even going on now, is those who've lost their way. Mm. They have a direction. They're on it. People want to even em emulate them, and then they lose it. So that was a, a, a favorite episode of mine in sort of a bittersweet way. The most fun episode to me what was the one we did? And by the way, that was episode 95 right there. The most fun one was episode 91, which was uh, Get Cars. <laughs> uh, uh, headlined here by this horrific brown Bradley GT, which sort of like that was the poster child of the kit car. They sold like fire, first of all, because you did see them. But see, this one, you can tell. I mean, just. Look at how poorly the lights fit, uh. and that's brand new. And folks, if you don't have the visual, you really owe it to yourself to take a look at this. It looks like some sort of that's the Targa version. Yeah, the doors exactly, are up yeah. or something. Oh my god! Oh, exactly, man. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, they they had gull wing doors, which of course was considered so exotic and sexy, but they were made out of about one sixteenth of an inch thick plexiglass, which would if the UV rays didn't cause them to completely cloud, if you tried to open them too quickly, you would break them in half. But the kit car issue was fun because it's like full of dreams and intrigue and gosh, could I build that in my garage? And many tried, many failed. Yeah. It's, uh, looking at that picture reminds me of something my dad used to say frequently with something like this. He'd say, yeah, classy with a capital K. <laughs> and, uh, and that, apl that applies here. Yeah. Just so awful. We all had some good picks in that. I was trying to recall and look <laughs> at some Everybody had a sorry pick. I don't remember your guys exactly, but I do remember a, um, a Laser 917 making the lineup and a couple of Neo Classics, the old Mercedes SSK built on a VW bug. I mean, Where's where's the 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 respect? And then one one uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, okay. Well, this is uh, you know, we've had some incredible guests on this show. We have had a lot of fun, folks. I enjoyed. I forget who uh, is it. I can't remember. Steve, was it your friend uh, Mike Clark, the Bizzarini man? Yeah. Or is that Stephon's? No, it's so my, It's uh, my neighbor and friend. Yeah. Okay, and you know who cannot have a little bit um. Of, of hero worship of a guy who takes a bizzarini to Pebble Beach. I mean, so he was fine. Uh, Jeff Bank is probably our best guest and, and most prolific contributor uh, to just ideas and thoughts. 
Uh, Gary, Dan, Don, both of them, Jerry and Jerry and Jeff Bank have, have, have really helped us uh, along the way. Absolutely. And it's just fun to have them out there. I think Gary Duncan probably had the some of the funniest twists of phrases. But this man here, Dick Barber, uh, mm -hmm. who I consider a friend, and there he is with Paul Newman and uh, Rolf Stommelin uh, in what I believe would be the 1979 Le Mans. Am I Read right? The guys, man. Right? I'm checking That's out the wine yeah. dropping girls, dude. Oh, dropping I, mean, girls. I could give a shit about Paul Newman. Oh my God. Move that cursor. Get that cursor off the screen. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. The no, whole dude, dropping girls are just leering and <laughs> in awe of yeah. <laughs> the all they see is Paul. In fact, if you drew a, a straight line. From from the eyeball gaze of each of those ladies, they are just burrowed in on on Brother Paul Newman, regardless. But that was a a fun time for Dick, obviously, and just to, you know, sort of the I don't know if he would he would he has many heights of his career uh, arc, which has been many many years. Uh, but that I enjoyed having him on there. And then interestingly, and Steve is the one I'm gonna have to credit with always coming up with just twists of topics and something fun to do. One of them was what we called bad then, good now. And we had a good then, bad now, et cetera, various versions of that. But mine for bad then, good now was the spiker, uh, the laviolette. And it wasn't necessarily bad then, but they just ran out of money before they caught the wave of acceptability and coolness. And I look back at that car that is made largely out of aluminum. It's got an Audi 4.2 uh, mid-engine V8, and it's got incredible styling uh, to me, uh, much of it. And I'm, I'm sorry uh, I did not include a photo of the interior, uh, but it's got like a rifle bolt shift action that's actually visible in the interior. It's got right. an incredible use of aluminum. Uh, Spiker harking back to their um, days in uh, 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 aviation and sort of like Saab had the background in aviation. Spiker too had that link in, in their ancestry. And it's just a, it's, it's a lovely looking car that, you know, failed uh, when it was new, but then now in retrospect, it's a three, $400,000 plus car. Oh, nice pull Steph. Yeah. Folks, what we're looking at here is a is a, this this lovely engine turned dash, um, a la a la nineteen seventies Trans Am, except this is really engine turned out of aluminum. Lots and lots of beautiful toggle switches. Uh, Stefan's email address and uh, <laughs> and just uh, just all the great little. Look old, at that shifter that slides uh, up and down. I mean the pedals. This guy's. Yeah. In the Argentinian, uh, no, uh, you're thinking of. Uh, um, the oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the other. Yeah, right. Um, different, but Pagani. Uh, you're thinking of Pagani. Pagani. The yeah, detail I, yeah. and the and the billet aluminum manufacturing of this car is just is second to none. It's just gorgeous. He takes pride in the mechanics of the devices in this car that are visible. Yeah, it, it is. It is. We saw one in California, Steve. We went to some yeah. car show at Pebble Beach. And it was crazy to look at interior. Just it just it is just eye candy for gorgeous engineering. Yeah, it was uh, Spiker is a Dutch company, and actually the coincidentally, uh, Adams, the CEO of Spiker 
uh, while it was alive. So he was, you know, Spiker died and and the, the CEO was, wasn't really doing anything. And when GM spun off Saab after the great financial crisis, the former CEO of Spiker took over and he became CEO of Saab, was not able to save that company. So he was CEO of two doomed companies. Yep. Well, that was, and, and Steph, the, thank you for pointing out. It's just, there's a fascination, I think, that we all have as car guys and car girls, mechanical bits. Yeah, it's fun to see two wires make an electrical electric motor floor, that's great. But something about the click clack of a lever that moves this or a gear that moves that or a needle that actually sweeps mechanically through a gauge, uh, hearing and feeling a door thud with authority and not rattle. There's just something about that in the spiker to me just exudes that. So th that was my five. Excellent. That's a great, great stories. And uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. The, the, uh, <laughs> the the kit cars man that was <laughs> there was some really 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 bad cars that we were able to dredge up memories of <laughs> and you know they all sort of teased us in our in our dreams as being 14 15 16 years old you know the kit car who among us didn't think i could do that and i could do yes. it better than that <laughs> yes well we all fantasize about it. i i actually but I think I, I, you know, back in the seventies, I thought, man, Bradley, Bradley GT wouldn't be so bad because cars back then were terrible. They were so bloated and big and ugly. Uh, Bradley GT actually, in in, in comparison, <laughs> it looked pretty good. But um, yeah, uh, that was bad then and bad now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, we we did car spotting, and we we've all contributed to this. And actually, uh, Jeff Bank has sent in some cars too. So. Um, We've all contributed, and I'll I'll, I'll go with my first one. Yeah, uh, let me all right, let me find it here. My favorite car spotting. I've seen so much stuff, and um, I think the one we did last week is kind of my favorite. But I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna say my real favorite. But the the when I saw a mint condition Gen One Audi TT coupe i'm like damn 20 years later that thing looks it's almost 25 years later it looks so good and that's that's i, I was so happy to see that but i'm going nostalgic and uh 1978 dodge aspen wagon was a car wow. that i spotted this is not the car i spotted but it looks just like it and it's yeah. a looker too <laughs> it's a looker <laughs> my favorite was the plymouth volare yeah, the, the sister twin. car to this, the twin was the was, Valare. Yeah, <laughs> it was. This was a basically on the Plymouth Duster Dodge Dart platform that had been updated. It was just so it was slow and mediocre, and Stefan, I'm sure you'll agree, unsafe. <laughs> and there was nothing luxurious or good about it. It was just a bad car. They had terrible <laughs> okay. quality, but I I kind of like it. <laughs> could could yeah. you explain the depths of what it is about this that makes Sivo, Sivo has a soft place in his heart for rejects. <laughs> I I have a there's the, the this car is from the Malays era, and that's you know, we went from it is the epitome cars. of Malays. Yeah, yeah. And you know, another one is in 1978. I think 78 was the worst year of the Malays era, but 1978 <laughs> mm -hmm. Indy Pace Car Corvette. Oh, um, God. 
And I called that the epicenter of the Malays era. I think it probably is, but the Dodge Aspen is just, it's Malays with a capital M. So yeah, that was my favorite. You know, you look at that thing and I tell you, and, and it's funny that you pick it. And I, I, I think we, 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 we pick some of these that, that are our, our favorites or are in some way sort of the superlative are most unusual, our most interesting, our most humorous. And that particular one, yeah, being the epicenter of the Malaysia era, and you just look at it. Let's let's go back to it. Let's just look at it for a minute. I mean, it's got the the. Uh, oh. well, no, no, hold on. I missed it. I missed it. Hold on a second. Oh, oh my, uh, here my, it is. Retina, here, my retina. Here, here it is. There we go. Uh. No, I got it back. I got it. I got it back. I got it back. But I mean, you just you just check this thing out, and you know, when you think back in in, in seventy eight. This thing has something that sort of looks a little bit like pinto tail lights. It's got the fake wood with the outline of more fake wood. It's got white wall tires, which look to be about 14 inch. And it's got the hubcaps. And, you know, this is 1978. You know, we keep bashing that year. But if you think at the exact same time, this is when Porsche brought us the 911 SC, which was breaking through and breaking out and is still considered a big landmark year. Mercedes-Benz was was producing absolutely superior vehicles, even in 78 with the SLS, SEL, SLC, which is an ugly vehicle, but a quality vehicle. BMW had just recently launched the 320i, which basically put them on the map in America. Yes, I know the 2002 deserves that credit. But the 320i, 320i was amazing. It's yeah. just what sold in mass. And here we are doing this. And, you know, I'm not trying to bash on America, but we talked about mismanagement and losing your way. This is kind of like Steve said. It's like this proves they've lost their way. Yeah, you also had the Honda Accord was a couple of years old. Yeah. Uh, the the yeah. Civic was a good car. The Corolla and uh, the, the, the it was in 1978 it would have been the 280z. Uh, some great cars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a funny thing said about this, this before we move on to, I guess, Steph's uh, car spot. Yeah. A, a friend of mine who'd been in the uh, automobile business, he he was actually uh, uh, a Plymouth dealer. Uh, you know, at the time, there was that ridiculous ad. It was Volare, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, this will be my first and last singing on Cars <laughs> on Call, by the way. Uh, uh, but but uh, he, he had somebody try to <laughs> trade one in. And he said this to them. This is just the personality of car dealers back in the day. They were trying to trade it, trade it into him. And he goes, Volare, whoa, 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 whoa. Trade value, low, 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 low. Oh. <laughs> they sort of, oh, that, but that, that was it. That, that car was driveway spotting the day it was made. Yeah. That's what was bad about them. Yeah. All right, Stefan. I think. We're... All right, here we go. Here's my. Here's my. Shirt. All right. So, so this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I was in Homewood, Alabama, which is a tiny little part of Birmingham, middle class, upper middle class. But those that want their kids to go to go, good school, they're not about out Jones and the Joneses. Nice little boutiques, nice little shops, and this is downtown Homewood on the Strip. Just a old, really old, old money south. Old Money South. Um, and I pull up, and then here is a Mercedes G-Wagon. And this color is called Hell Magno. It is like lime green metallic. The thing has the optional monoblock wheels, which is these giant mm. black wheels. 
and it had a bumper st- sticker on the back that said, I'm Nova Reach and you are not. Um, I did not get it. Didn't really. I'm just making that up. But so this thing stuck out. I mean, you know, there were Range Rovers, there were Discoveries, there were, you know, your classic Suburbans, there were some Genesis, there were you know, your classic range of nice, you know, cars. And this thing just stuck out like a sort of them. It did not belong there. So if you're watching on TV, this gets my Nutsack Award. So this year I started the Nutsack Award for various cars and things I don't like. So it's got the truck's nuts hanging off the back of it. Um, a few other things that got the Nutsack Award, the Carolina Squat. There we go. We got a picture of that. <laughs> no. And then the one no. you know, here is a Porsche GT3 RS with the wing off a of Boeing 747 on the back. Gets a Nutsack Award. <laughs> You know, the Cayman GT4 RS gets a Nutsack Award. The Mustang GTD gets a Nutsack Award. And then, oh, yes, remember the Jaguar that we hated so much. (laughs) It got the Nutsack Award. And then I'll finish with the Primeth Plowler got the Nutsack Award. So those were the the Nutsack Awards for the year, (laughs) looking back in the last 100 episodes. There'll be more to come. Oh, that's a great... (laughs) <laughs> That's a right rundown of losers. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to wash that visual out of my head before I go to sleep tonight. Before we before we hear yours, Adams. Uh, whenever I see a G wagon, um, and and you know they do sell a lot of them, so you see them around. I always think of Daniel Mack, who's always goes up to people and say, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" And it was in Beverly Hills, and a really very attractive 20-ish year old uh, woman gets out of this vehicle. It's a G-Wagon. <laughs> and great. what do you do for a living? She's well-dressed and she smiled, a big smile, and said, I'm a stay-at-home daughter. And that's such a great line. So I always think of that. I always associate with the G with the G-Wagon. So Adams, you, you spotted some great cars. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for your choice. I, you know, it, that's a fun thing to do. And and um listeners, if you've not been with us a while, it's just where you see something in traffic or you see something, maybe the cars and coffee that you just hadn't seen in a while. It can be unusual. It can be different. Anything that's a standout doesn't have to be a show car. And mine is absolutely not a show car. Uh, We were in Montana this past um, fall at some point, and I saw not this particular car, but that's the photo that I sent. in Riding in a field, and so my photo was kind of a distance away in a junkyard was a brickling just sitting there rotting away. There were old bits of farm implements and some old early 70s, mid-70s Corvette laid up next to it in a half of a boat. And the thing that got me about the brickling is it sort of relates a little bit to the kit car commentary that all of us who are car afflicted have thought I could build it. I could do it. Wouldn't it be cool if, and you think, you know, what, what, what would I do if I just had unlimited funds and, and a lot of talent surrounding me? What kind of car would I make? And, you know, for Malcolm Bricklin, it was this, you know, he'd made a good bit of money off the uh, um, Subaru. What was it called? A 360 or something like that. Yeah, I think it's Subaru 360. And he made a bunch of money and he decided to build this car in Canada. And actually, there is as awful a car as it is. I can hear the moans throughout internet land. Mm. It, um, it, it, was, it was a decent idea. And he actually had a couple of groundbreaking things. It was called the SV1, for which our trauma surgeon would appreciate, standing for Safety Vehicle 1. Mm. You'll notice that door sill sitting higher than the hips of the occupants and in an effort to 
uh, sort of build in a side intrusion beam to the car. Uh, it had decent rollover capability. I don't know how it would rank today, Stefan. I don't even know if the numbers would exist, but it tried to have an integrated roll bar. It had energy absorbing bumpers that weren't the awful looking ones that the rest of America had, which stuck out like, I don't know, like picnic tables, you know, five feet out front, you know, the dumb looking things. And this was decently integrated. The car itself, I guess the, the, the good and the bad, the good is one man's dream. The bad is this is where a lot of them end up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Any well, comments you, there on that I, that lovely car spotting? I got a quick one. I mean, I yeah, I, I cannot remember last time I saw Brooklyn, but it's it's been more than 20 years. But um, if you're going to make an American car company and you're a guy and you want to succeed, you can name it after somebody, but it shouldn't be yourself. So Tucker, Brickland, DeLorean failed and Tesla succeeded. Wow. What a thought. Never thought about that. Yeah. The Musk no. mobile has no ring to it. <laughs> yeah. no. Nothing there. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve. We are out of time. Uh, any final thoughts after 100 episodes? Uh, Stefan, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts? I don't have um, any. Well, I think I, I've said them all. 100 episodes. I, I'm, I'm amazed that we've gotten here. It, it's been a lot of fun. I hope we continue to grow the um, our listener base. For me, once again, this is kind of a, a pulpit for me to just have people in the back of their minds have a second thought. Well, you know, you're going to buy the minivan or the SUV. If you listen to that episode, minivans are terrible for backseat passengers. Get the SUV. So hopefully for me, this is the way to continue to preach the motor vehicle safety, making safer choices venue. And then also have a lot of fun and have a lot of Freudian slips and just say things that come off the top of my head that just like shock everybody because they're on, they're just always under the surface just waiting. This gives me an opportunity to release those kind of things. <laughs> that was it's funny, Stefan saying that it's like you know, Stefan would be making an absolutely perfect point and a really deep point, but occasionally a word will blow out that's like it came out of the Yahtzee sack. It's like what does <laughs> What did he say? Hey, we're the only we're the only people to correctly point out that the new BEV Hummer is the Antichrist. Yes, <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. absolutely, yeah. it is the Antichrist. Yeah. Or the the Pope's on fire. Pope's on fire. Exactly, exactly. Well, I've I've enjoyed being on the show, and uh, hope hopefully I'll get invited back for um something into the second 100s who knows but you know i've just i i think sharing anything of car fan worthiness has kind of been uh they they sometimes say that the 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 best way to learn something is to attempt to teach it and in this case it's to attempt to share it so it's it's made me appreciate the sharing of and the thoughtfulness of a lot of the topics chosen by by steve and and so occasionally uh, we'll we'll pipe in there with something fresh or different, and that's been the fun part to me. Yeah, it's been it's been nothing but fun. <laughs> I've had a great time. So, all right, Stefan, uh, shut us down. All right, one hundred one hundred episodes in the books. Like, listen, subscribe, hit that bell, tell your friends, leave comments. We're on YouTube, Instagram. Send us an email at carsoncall at iCloud.com. I'd love to hear from you and. Steve, I look forward to the topics for episode 101.